When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the bank. You can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change. Cause every action got a consequence. Consider your ways. Hardest thing to do in life is elevate through your pain. I can relate to feeling like your life is stuck in the face. Giving effort, but results just keep remaining the same. Ask the patience with yourself. Shit ain't as bad as you claim. I seen the homeless nigga smile while he was standing in rain. It's all about perspective. Chillin', catching blessings, and cryptocurrency been busting, and I'm well invested. She know that if she rock with me, then she gon' stay protected. Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressing. I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Yeah. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy David Bella, one fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-hosts Jalen and Jared. How y'all feeling, my brothers? What up? What up? What up? It's your boy Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance. I'm feeling good, feeling great. Saturday, we moving and grooving. Yes, sir. We've been up on the pod early this morning. I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I'm energized. I'm about to turn up all damn day. 
I just want y'all to know that. See, I'm drinking. I'm hydrated. You know what I'm saying? Got that aspire water. You know, pure. My, 9.5 my, alkaline water. Got my body feeling good on the inside. Jerry, how you doing over there, my brother? Man, I'm feeling good, brother. I'm over here sipping on some Aspira water myself. You feel me? I'm over here <laughs> feeling great. <laughs> hey, man, but I'm really excited. Ready to get into this episode. You know what I'm saying? See what we're talking about today. I know it's about to get real crazy with this one. So I know everybody going to be real hype and excited to hear it. Yes, yes sir. sir. Yeah, this is a good one that we about to have, man. If you're watching this, obviously, you'll see we have an in-person guest. Sheesh. Uh, Good brother pulled up on us, so I'm gonna introduce him, man. So y'all may have seen this story on our page, maybe what like three, four months back, was it? Uh, mm-hmm. young brother DM the souls, hey man, I'm 19. I just bought a rental property. Like, said, hold up, nigga. What you mean? Shit hard. <laughs> what you mean? You just bought a rental property. You 19. You're like, yeah, bro, I'm a college freshman. I bought a rental property. Da, da, da. So we chop it up with him, and it's like, yo, this young brother is really on it, and it's. Crazy, and I think his story can inspire so many. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, this is like the second week in a row we got like some young Gen Z's. Yeah, Gen Z, like yeah. y'all straight killing the game. I ain't even yeah. gonna lie, bro. Sure. Like, cause who we had last week? Uh, uh, Kaylani. Yeah, Kaylani yeah. out here investing in shit too. So I gotta give it up to the young bulls. Yeah, man. Right. give him sure. the clap. Give him the clap, man. But uh, oh, without yeah. further ado, without further ado, we introduce our guest for the episode, Mr. Noah Lawton. Noah, how you doing, my brother? Good. How you doing? Happy to be here. Appreciate you pulling up, my brother. Sure, for sure. Hey, man. Once again, we just got to really just say, hey, man, congratulations to what you're doing, bro. Because what you're doing at a young age, the mindset that you got at a young age, a lot of people wouldn't even have that. I know I didn't have it at 18, 19. Right. I was over Yeah, try to turn up, get high, (laughs) give me a two for six on the Amsterdam, get fucked up. The party pack. Man, we are glad to have you on, bro. So we want to just get this thing started how we always do, bro. Okay. So can we give people an introduction to you? Like, who is Noah Lawton and what led you down this path, man? I'm just a normal kid. I would say led me down the path was, you know, like I said earlier, just being a kid and surfing the internet, not having a job, wanting to make money. And like most kids do, and most of my friends do, look up on YouTube how to make money online. And eventually getting tagged with uh, YouTube videos and, and Facebook ads that from different dropshippers. And eventually I saw enough of those ads where I was like, dang, let me go ahead and see what this is about. This must be serious, you know? I'm getting a lot of ads, a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of videos about this dropshipping thing. Somebody gotta be making yeah, some money. Somebody's gotta be making money. Somebody's putting money into these ads. Somebody must be making money from this little business. So let me see what it's about. So I eventually jumped in and that was like my first entrepreneurial thing, dropshipping. And I did it for like two years unsuccessfully, no success, no money made, no sales. That was my first jump into entrepreneurship actually. Mm. Damn. So how old were you at this time? I think 16. This was back in like 2017-ish. Okay. I was just getting ready to graduate college. So like you 16 years old, you Mm -hmm. at home. Right. You're like, yo, how can I make money? You wasn't playing Fortnite, my nigga? Like you wasn't like... Nah, not. I was playing video games a little bit, but I was never good at video games. So, Hey man, it'd be like that sometimes. Yeah, it was never good. I played football in high school. So after football season, I would always go get a regular job, like a mm-hmm. fast food job. And that never lasted long. I just never could. I didn't like listening to a boss. I didn't like going, waking up earlier, going after school to a job. So I was always trying to find some other alternative way to make mm-hmm. money. And it happened to be dropshipping was the first thing that I caught my interest, actually. Where was he dropshipping? Like, what product were you moving? It was actually a, an acne product. It was like a girl's acne pen. It was an LED pen that you're supposed to turn on and like wave around your face. Mm-hmm. It was a single product store. That was the only product I sold. And now I sold it for about four months. Wait, what What was it? 
It's like a little pen. It looks like a pen, like just like that pen right there. It's a little thicker. It has a battery in it, and you turn it on, and an LED light comes on, and you kind of just wave it around. That shit work. I couldn't even tell you. Couldn't even tell you. So you said you done it. You had that product for four months, mm-hmm. but you done it for two years. Right. So what type of dedication one mm-hmm. did that take for you to continue doing this for two years, and you didn't even see any money coming in, like? Right. What was going through your mind at that time? Um, I think with this product, I saw that it was like a flip in my mindset. Beforehand, I hadn't really taken it seriously. I was always trying to juggle doing a whole bunch of other things with dropshipping. And I never really put as much effort as I should have into it. Mm-hmm. But with this store, I actually took the time to learn. So the previous stores, and it was 20 stores to be exact, 20 stores that I ran unsuccessfully. Sheesh. Yeah, exactly. 20, 20 stores till one hit. Exactly. 20 stores to one and I had never learned Facebook ads. That was the biggest thing. Facebook ads just seemed too complicated. I didn't want to put the time in. So everything, I just tried to do influencer shout outs and get my own traffic. That never worked ever. Mm-hmm. I think I had one sale maybe, but never was profitable. Never crossed even over $100 on the store. So with this store, I think it was mainly because I graduated or I was about to graduate. I had a little more free time. The pandemic had just hit. This is back in 2020, mm-hmm. back in February, March. And I was like, okay, let me learn Facebook ads. And I did. And it was like immediate success. That's what I know, hit it off. So what store was this? The, was this that, the pen, that, that the was, pen the was the store that succeeded. Yeah, the pen was the one. Yeah. So how did you go about even like identifying that product? Like as the one that you chose? Right. Because you said you never even used it. So yeah, like, and I did get a couple back though. I ordered a couple just to see it, to make sure it felt good. But there was a whole bunch of different ways to find products. Me personally, I like to either scroll through Facebook until I find something that catches my eye mm-hmm. and look at different ads. Or I'll scroll through Alibaba. And I think with this one, I was on either Alibaba or AliExpress and I was just scrolling. And I went to the beauty section in Alibaba or AliExpress and I had never seen it before. But I know that beauty is one of the biggest spaces in dropshipping because it's such a big following behind it. Mm-hmm. So I just chose to try it out. And the first month was actually right at break even, I think. I'm either break even or maybe even unprofitable. But for me, I had seen no progress before. So I was like, I got to get this profitable. I've, I've never had this much success. Mm-hmm. So then the second month was a little profitable. And then the third month was actually the big month that I hit it off. So when we saying the big month, well, talk some numbers to me, like what you were seeing. So the first month was actually really low. It was like $3,000 gross. And then the second month was more like 15000 And then that third month was actually in the, I think it was 30000 mm-hmm. Yeah, so I averaged like 1000 a day on the third month. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mm, that so, goes to show but, the power of that knowing how to use Facebook marketing. Right, right, mm. exactly. Knowing how to take advantage of that traffic. Right, and it actually, it kind of shifts you. So, before I was looking at myself as a dropshipper, but then when you learn Facebook ads, it kind of makes you reposition yourself as a marketer. So, now... When I tell people about dropshipping, I kind of make it sound like as if I was more of a marketer because that's kind of, if you don't have that skill of marketing, you're not going to make mm-hmm. any money in dropshipping. You're just going to be like the rest of the crowd that just jump in dropshipping, make quick money, get out, and that never works. Mm-hmm. Mm. And even with you, like the 20 stores, bro, like you put up 20 stores for you to have that type of win. Most times, you know, you tell somebody, oh, I made 30000 during the pandemic mm-hmm. and I'm at this age. They say, oh, bro, you're so lucky. Right. But they won't see the work the work that you right. put in for the prior two years right. of you failing. I'm pretty sure it was frustrating. I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure you're like, 
Yo, like I'm doing what I'm they spending supposed- money on influencer ads, and I'm not getting sales. Yeah, at all. And even not even that, because like even with the Shopify store, that's thirty dollars a month. Right, yep. You got the Shopify store. I don't know what goes in on the yeah. other side, like for the products and yeah, stuff. Apps and everything. Yep. Like you got to pay for all of this overhead. Mm-hmm. So were you working a job just to maintain a dropshipping store? Yeah, and that's another thing. A lot of people think that. Oh, well, how did you get this money to start up? I actually did work two jobs. I worked at Subway and I worked at Banera. Now was kind of my. You was working at the competitions, like with the ops. <laughs> oh, this thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I worked at Subway and then I quit Subway. Summer came. I went back to football workouts. Football season ended. Then Panera, and then that's when the pandemic hit, and that kind of saved me. Left Panera, started that dropshipping store, and then that's when I was like, okay, I'm not going back after that. So during this, like, what's your parents seeing? Like, are they kind of like taking notice of what you're doing? Are they being supportive? They're like, yo, Noah, you need to stop wasting your money on this. Like, what's going on? Um, so the prior two years, it was kind of nobody knew I was just doing it, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to waste anybody's time. Like, oh, look what I'm doing if it's not working. Mm-hmm. So I kind of kept it to myself. And then once the big store hit it off, you know, me and my mom have a really good relationship. Me and her were like best friends almost. So I tell her everything. So when it did hit off, I tell her, like, I would tell her everything. I would have a decision to make like this or this or like this supplier or this supplier. And I would talk to her about it. She doesn't know like anything about dropshipping, but she's, you know, the person I would talk to that would just listen. So she was super supportive. She never really knew what I was talking about, to be honest, but <laughs> she was always just the one to listen. Yeah. Hey, but that's, that's dope. Up, like yeah, sometimes yeah. that's all it takes. Because yeah. even like whenever you're going on a journey, even if they don't understand the language, but they at least show that, you know, I'm supportive with here. I believe in you. Like yeah. that goes a long way. Oh, yeah. Besides somebody just shitting on your dreams. Like, yo, oh, yeah. you need to stop that. You need to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have tons of friends who want to do the same thing. Who want to, want to be entrepreneurial. But the only thing they get when their parents is like, oh, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't save your money. Do this, do that. But for me, it's not the opposite. My mom does. She does say those things. But in the same instance, she knows I know what I'm talking about. So. Any entrepreneurial thing I do, I tell her, like, I was on the phone with her this morning talking about business. And she, mm-hmm. she doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she just listens. And then I tell her about my trades and she doesn't, she's never traded before, but she'll just listen or all those, the, the real estate, she'll just listen and all that stuff. Yeah. So you only ran that store for four months? I ran it for four months and then I held it for a little bit. I actually sold the store a couple of months ago. Oh, shit. Yeah. So you got the store profitable. And then you sell it. That's another thing that right. people don't speak about. That's a hot ass market right now. Right. But like just flipping a business, you get a business to where it's profitable. That's the same. Even just flipping dropshipping stores is right. a thing. Yeah, yeah. I ain't even yeah. think about that. But like even just like flipping the store, like you say, okay, look, we done 30K this month. Now that's projected. You do 30K times 12. How much that is a year? Right. Mm, 360 yeah 360 right so like yo this is your projected revenue like i need that like this is what i projected to do right exactly yeah that's the thing a lot of people will jump into dropshipping they don't see it as a real business so there's no exit plan Mm. so with me i didn't really have an exit plan at first but when i started to reposition myself as a businessman and not just like oh i'm just doing this for quick money Mm. i'm like this is an actual business i was like okay i need the exit plan and that was my exit plan to exit the store i actually sold it and I think that that's what dropshipping space is missing. But that's really lucrative to be able to make your, you know, in dropshipping, you're going to see usually around 30% profit margins. But to see that 30% profit margin while you're running the store and then to stop running the store and make that lump sum at the end, that changes the game a lot. Mm, that's dope. And when did it click? I need to become a real businessman for you. I think it was when I was seeing those big numbers going to my bank account, like every week or every day, mm-hmm. so, like seeing the money on my screen. I was like, okay, I can't be the same person I was three months ago, or I'm going to lose this all, I'm going to blow it all. Mm. Or like, I can't be the same or I'm, gonna, I'm doing this for no reason. I actually took a lot of time off to like 
I, that's when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and went to other books and started watching a lot of YouTube and researching a whole bunch of different things just so I could kind of reposition my mind just so that I could put myself in a better position to do better with the new money that I was given. Mm, that's hard. Yeah. So you sell the dropshipping store. Can you talk about that process a little bit? Like, mm-hmm. what is it like to sell off your business? With dropshipping, since there's no physical inventory, there's nothing mm-hmm. physical, there's no transfer other than digital transfers. It's pretty easy, to be honest. You know, you list your site and they have a whole bunch of different exchanges. I think I had mine listed on two different exchanges, the Shopify exchange and there's one more exchange. I can't remember the name, but you list those sites and then usually you'll start at zero or like mm-hmm. a, a dollar. And they'll, they'll bid up to what they think is worth and it's pretty easy. And then the money goes into escrow. You transfer the digital products to the new owner and then they release your money. Hmm. That's dope. Man, that's hard as hell. Yeah, yeah it's so pretty simple. Basically, you just listing it on an auction and letting them be. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just like eBay auction, essentially. Hey, that's pressure. I like that. <laughs> and you kind of hinted at another thing, the trading. Right. So when did you begin learning about trading? I began learning about trading when I was 17. I've always been like drawn to the financial markets for some reason. I would always <laughs> be the one to have the stock app on my phone, even though I'm not trading or I was too young to trade. I would just watch it. I have no idea what it means. Just look at it just because I thought it was cool. So when I turned like 17 and a half, when I was around there about to turn 18. I kind of took it more seriously. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm about to be 18. I can actually open a brokerage. Let me take this serious. So I started doing research about stocks. Like, do I want to be a day trader? Do I want to be long-term buy and hold swing mm-hmm. trader? There's just a whole bunch of different styles. And I remember the day I turned 18, my first brokerage was actually Robinhood. The day I turned 18, I opened a Robinhood. I put money into Robinhood. I was like, okay, I want to be long-term buy and hold. So I put a couple hundred in Robinhood because that's, you know, I was working a job at that point. That's all I had. And every time I had a little bit of money, I would just go shopping in the market. And then the good thing was that, I mean, good and bad. The, it was the, the pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In March, the market hit complete bottom. I put a good amount of money in the market. I mean, in terms of what I had. And I just held it until August and sold. The returns were good. I think I saw like 50% returns on my portfolio, which is crazy. Not typical on a long-term buying. Yeah, nah. yeah, exactly. Especially not trading options or anything like that. So I was kind of in the position where like I want to see more money. So I took the time to learn options trading. I had dabbled in options trading back during the pandemic and I had lost whatever trade I made. I lost all of it. I had no idea what I was doing at all. I just, just mess around with them yeah. damn weeklies, bro. Exactly. <laughs> the weeklies, they just, oh, this looks good. Do this. This is a cheap option. Yep. So I took the time to learn option over the summer, actually. And then for a while, I took a break from trading. I remember I cashed out of that, my whole portfolio, sold everything and just held that money there for like a couple, I think from August to October. And the middle to end of October is when I hopped in back into options trading. And it was actually the first trade that I would jump in that was, it was a long, I held it until December, held it the whole time, didn't sell. And that was my biggest trade that I talked about earlier, actually. So yeah, I kind of want to get into that, like, because with options, I know we kind of talked about it on the podcast in the past, like how options work for people, mm-hmm. like. And when you originally went in, you were buying and holding. You bought at a great time, like you said, bottom of the pandemic. So you were able to see those quick returns Mm -hmm. with options. Whenever you put this money up, you run the risk of losing it all. Right. Exactly. Right. So when did you decide to make that strategy shift from, okay, I'm just going to be a long term buy and hold investor Mm -hmm. to I'm going to try to maximize returns by taking on more risk. Right. For me, it was really that I felt like I didn't have enough money to be a long term buy and hold. Like I didn't. I couldn't just let my money sit and be content. Like I wanted to make more money with my money. So I figured that what I would do is I would options trade with the money I had. Mm-hmm. And eventually when I got to the point where I had enough money put aside in my options account, I could take money out and start a long-term portfolio. But I feel like it would be better for me, especially me being young, to build up revenue quickly 
and and use that money more efficiently. And that's what I chose to do. Dope, dope. So I know you mentioned to us earlier off camera that you took four thousand dollars and turned right. it into over seventy thousand dollars. Right. That's that's insane, bro. Like our homeboy Andre took. 70k and turned into two mil by buying real estate. You really? took four thousand and turned into seventy thousand in the stock market in right. over the course of two months. Yeah, October to December. Yep. Let's fill us in, my brother. What was the play? I got y'all. So the play was actually I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's an EV company, a new EV company. They haven't released any products yet. But at the time where I jumped in, they were a spec. So mm-hmm. they were merging with Tenancy Acquisition Corp, and they were just a small company, and they. We're going to IPO by way of SPAC. And mm-hmm. this was at the time where SPACs were super hot. Like, every going day. crazy. The SPAC yeah. market finally cooled. Yeah, That's what, cool. what your bar name was, man. The nigga, the king of SPACs, man. Chamath? Yeah, yeah, Chamath, yeah, Chamath. Yeah, he kind of started the whole SPAC craziness. Yeah. But yeah, SPACs were going crazy. And I wasn't super familiar with SPACs. And I was just looking at the market. I had friends that were telling me about the market. I wasn't really in the market heavy. And I remember I looked at that canoe. And before I even looked at the SPAC, I looked at the company canoe and I just thought that it was a hit. Like I liked the company. So it was kind of easy for me to throw that much money at what was a lot for me, 4,000 mm-hmm. at the time, throw that much money at it because I just liked the company so much. I watched a couple presentations, looked at their reports. I was like, I like this company a lot. So I did my due diligence. I didn't really, didn't really look at the chart too much just mm-hmm. because there was no purpose. You know, it was specs, you know, stakes yeah. are at 10. So it was at like $10, 30 cents. So I was like, okay, I feel like I'm getting in early. So it was really more technical, like, do I believe in this company or not? And I did. So kind of went all in on the trade. And that's, I think, the, at the end when I sold, it was like 17, 1800% return. Damn. Sheesh. Yeah. So you bought, you bought a yearly option on a company. After you did your due diligence, you went learn about them. You bought the yearly, because I just mentioned it earlier. Also, I want to do a quick thing for anybody that's listening. SPAC stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company. It's basically a shell company that, partners with the already existing company right. so that they can go public to right. the public market for anybody that's unfamiliar. Exactly. Now, what the hell was I saying before that? You're talking about weeklies and yearlies, like you're about to yeah. break down the option chains. Yeah. So shit. like with that, you said at first you started messing with options, you was losing money because you kept doing these short time frames. Yeah, like super short time, just hoping that the stock will go up in the next two days or next day. No technical, just hope. So I, that wasn't cutting it for me. I mean, in the market now, maybe that would work a couple months ago just because everything was going up. But for me, I wasn't experienced enough. I wasn't didn't have the knowledge enough to do that. So I kind of shifted. And when I jumped in that trade, the contract actually ended in February. So it was super far out. So it gave it time to grow. And I remember it was not growing at all. At one point, I was down like 50% in that contract. But Sheesh. Yeah, it was bad. But after doing my research, I trusted it so much, which was a little emotional. I probably wouldn't do that now. Probably would have sold out when I was down 20% just because I'm a different trader now. But I just held it and then just I, I, I believed enough and kind of turned out to be good. Yeah. That's dope. And I kind of like how you just hinted, you know, you're a different trader and like, mm-hmm. you know, you were being emotional with it as well, because I think that's something that everybody who's new into the stock market, they got to figure it out before they really understand, you know, mm-hmm. like, yo, this is something different because right. we all bumped our heads in the market. Like a thing for me, I never buy on green days. Like right. if it's a green day, I'm not buying right. like unless it's red. It's dead. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was me this week. I was tempted to go back to my old ways and chase some stocks, but I just don't, I just can't get behind it anymore. After doing so much research and, and putting in that work, I just can't go back to how I used to be losing money 
Chasing stocks, I just won't do that anymore. Bro, that chasing stocks will get your ass bit. It will, yeah. Like, it's so easy to avoid it by just paying attention to things like support and resistance right. and stuff like that. Like, right. it's crazy to me because apps like Robinhood, I feel like, influence people to do stuff like that yeah. because whenever something's hitting an all-time high, what do you get? A, a notification. fucking notification. Like, oh, they hit an all-time high. Exactly, like, yeah. Like, you know, they try to sensationalize it and get that FOMO on mm-hmm. people, and that's right. how a lot of people end up getting left holding the bag. Right, yeah. That's crazy you say that because... That's how I used to trade, just like, oh, all-time high, let me jump in or let me do this. And that would definitely bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to the moon. Yeah. And <laughs> Get away uh, from it. It's crazy how you'll see a stock running up and the FOMO will make you just kick out all the technical. You'll forget support resistance. You'll not chart to start the stock anymore. You'll just jump in. That's how I used to trade a little bit. So I had to change that. So I kind of want to talk about that summer where you educating yourself on the stock options as well. Yeah. So like, what did that look like? What was the process of you actually going in the lab saying, this is something that I'm going to conquer. I'm going to come back like, and I'm going to be stronger. Like, what was that like for you? So actually a lot of it was transitioning from Robin Hood to TD Ameritrade. That's what I think. Yeah, I trade on Thinkorswim now. And a lot of it was just getting the platform down because it's a yeah, big jump. Yeah, it's a, a yeah, big robust difference. platform. Yeah, it's not the same as Robin Hood at all. So it's a lot more complex, but they offer a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn that platform one and then just getting familiar with options in general like learning the greeks for what they are a lot of people that trade options don't even know the greeks so exactly greeks are still hard for me i still got to to keep something open to be like okay this means this this means this and then like what x options actually mean and how they work so that i could be able to explain them to other people that's why i did that whole summer hey man i like it though because i said this on twitter earlier i was like you know to really be successful you got to become a student of the game of whatever you're doing like Mm -hmm. A lot of people right now, especially with the crypto hype and even last year, like there was an options hype where it's like everybody's just like, oh, I know this. I'm a stock expert. Last summer options was the shit. Yeah, like it it was hot as hell. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of people, like you said, they can't even explain what the Greeks is. Like I know Theta. I know Theta is the biggest one I know. And I, I think Theta is like time decay or some shit. But it's like people don't even be understanding that. Mm -hmm. Same thing with crypto. They'll talk about Dogecoin, but they can't even tell you the bare minimum about Bro, the shit. They don't, like, they don't understand that Dogecoin doesn't have a legitimacy as an asset. Yeah, right. Like, right. Yeah. I've had so many people. It's not a knock to any of my friends that might watch this, but I've had so many people call me. But, oh, have you seen Dogecoin stock? Like, well, Dogecoin, it's, not a, it's stock. not a stock. Yeah. Like, that's what you talk to. Yeah, it's not yeah. a stock. And like, oh, my gosh, Dogecoin to the moon or this, that. I definitely cannot get behind Dogecoin because there's no value there. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a meme coin. And you can make some money. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Exactly. You can make money. But, but it's not an investment. Yeah. If you don't understand that you're gambling, you're going to get caught holding the bag. And then that could be real bad. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is my challenge to anybody listening. Like, definitely take the time out to just become a student of the game and really go learn whatever it is, even where it's like the Facebook ads, the right. drop shipping, like anything. And that seems to be a recurring theme mm-hmm. throughout your journey is like, you don't mind taking that time out. Once you see, you know, I failed, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yo, let me go learn and really educate right. myself. And right. I think that's really, really important. And I think that's going to take you really far in life because you at least understand I got to make an adjustment here mm-hmm. and I need to go educate myself right. or I'm going to lose everything that I worked hard for. Right. And that's a fact because you'll hear people say that everybody's a genius in the bull market. And that's so true because mm. you can talk to everybody and everybody seems to know what they're talking about. Everybody making money right everybody, now. Yeah, everybody's making money, but does everybody really know what they're doing? Because you can throw money in anything right now and make money, but do you know what you're doing? Mm. When that bear market comes, that's where you find out who the real G's <laughs> exactly. is, huh? <laughs> exactly, yep. 
So, no, man, I want to get into it a little bit more because Jalen's talking about being a student of the game. So, all right, you make this huge options trade and you like, all right, what am I going to do? Like, right. I, the same thing, like, whenever the drop shipping store here, right? So, like, you're 19 years old, bro. Right. You touching paper. Right. You're freshman in college. Freshman yeah. in college. Right. Exactly. So, what inspired you to move to real estate? Like, what made you want to do that? For me, it was so the options is a lot different than drop shipping because drop shipping, you have your profit margin. So, I didn't take whatever the revenue I made at the final day, like, when I sold the store, that's not my take home. Mm-hmm. So, but with the options, that 1,700%, that was my take home. So mm-hmm. for me, being 18 and seeing that much money in my bank account, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> so like, I was showing my mom, like, mom, look, look at my bank account. Like, like look at this. She felt like, boy, where the hell you got that money from? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was crazy because she had known because she was there every step of the way. So was, that was good. But I was like, oh, I have so much money. I don't know what to do. And I was just thinking, like, well, I also have this passion for real estate. And I had a goal set to own an investment property by 21 before I hit the age of 21. So I had known in the back of my head that was a goal. I was like, well, that's a little more attainable now. I can go ahead and knock that out now. So it was kind of just and the thought process was taking money from like a super volatile asset, which is options, and moving it to something really, really stable like, like real estate. Mm, that's mm. smart, man. Hey. I ain't gonna lie, I used to be worried about the future. If they, if they like my boy, I know it is. No one can my nigga JC. Like, I'm good. Like, we good, <laughs> niggas. Yeah, there's some good people out here. I think that a lot of people, especially with this whole bear market, a lot of people are moving into wanting to educate themselves. And there's a couple of people that just want to do it for the hype. But there are a lot of people that actually want to learn. And I have people in my corner who will hit me up. I know I actually want to learn. Like, I'm not even in it for quick money. Mm-hmm. Like, can you teach me? And those are people I definitely will recommend books or I'll teach per one-on-one. I'll stay on the phone with you for hours, people like that, definitely. Hey, that's hard. And so, like, what you going from there? Like, you said you had a passion for real estate. Right. What type of passion, like, and where did that passion come from? How you knew for sure, you was like, I really like this real estate right. shit. YouTube, YouTube. I would watch guys YouTube like- YouTube University is yeah, undefeated. It really is, yeah. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Graham Stephan and Meet Kevin. I'd watch those guys. I've, I've seen both of them before, yeah. yeah. Man, they talk about real estate a lot, and I would watch all their videos, which are stocks, whatever they would come out with. I would watch all their videos, and they would always talk about real estate. So I did my own research on real estate a lot. I'd always see mar- like houses come on the market and run, mm-hmm. run numbers just because, like, no, with no money to be able to buy a house, I was 17 years old, 18, just running numbers on real estate properties. So when it came time to where I was in the position to actually do it, it was just like easy. Like I can like I can do this. I can run the cap rate. I can do this. All these numbers. It's easy for me because I did this before. So that's what kind of grew my passion for real estate. Mm. That's hard, man. So what did your entry look like? Yeah I, yeah, I was about to ask about the story. So how did the entry look going into real estate? It was up and down. The real estate isn't that I was. So that's a funny story. I was inquiring about a different property on Zillow.com. And it was a package deal. This real estate investor was selling three of his properties in Greensboro. North Carolina together and there were two single families and one multifamily and I was interested in the multifamily so I had inquired about it on Zillow and they kind of automatically paired me with a real estate agent and happened to be the one that helped me close on the house and it's a funny story he just was that's kind of what kind of what actually helped me learn more about real estate through the experience Mm -hmm. I I did everything by myself from the lender to everything I was just by myself the whole way so I mean it's good and bad I made a lot of mistakes in doing that whole process like a two-month process When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. But I learned a ton through trial and error. So, What type of mistakes did you make? Just so we can learn from some of these right. things. Tons of mistakes, like running numbers the wrong way, like giving the lender the wrong numbers, being too optimistic with the lender. I was telling my lender that, oh, I think the house is worth this. I think it'll price for this. And that's kind of bit me in the butt because the numbers got readjusted at the end. Like, well, we can't give you 15 LTV. We can give you 20% LTV. So I had to bring more money to closing and then calling contractors and inspectors and things like that. Things that I thought my agent was supposed to do, but he just didn't really do. So I did all that stuff and it was kind of. And he just got that 3%. Yeah, he just got the 3% just for being attached to my name. Like he, there's a lot yeah. of things he didn't do. Like I know that when you're an agent, you're supposed to, like there are different brochures that you're supposed to give when you first start talking to your client. Never got those. It was kind of just like he was just there. So I get this a lot. He kind of thought he was going to like bother me through the process because I was young. He was like, oh, you're not even serious. I have other clients. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what he wasn't too big of a help. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. that is some BS. And I feel like that's yeah. something you probably would how, have to how, deal with. How was his, yeah. whenever you was like, I'm about to close on this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, what was his reaction? It flipped like the process beforehand. He was kind of like any small inconvenience would happen. Like, I remember I had a check bounce because my signature on my bank account was different from when I had first opened a bank account. I have a different signature because I can actually write cursive now. So when I wrote the due diligence and the escrow check, I used my new signature. The bank was like, oh, well, this is a new signature. Come change your signatures and we'll give you a new check. And he called me like, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you trying to scam? Da, da, da. Like, I'm like, what are you, scam? Yeah, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. He thought I was trying to, I was messing with him, like wasting his time. And I was like, I tried to explain, I was like, well, no, the check just bounced because my signature was off. And I remember I live in Raleigh. I was on break at this time. He drove all the way from Greensboro to Raleigh to make sure I was going to the bank to actually update my signature. So I'm like, things like that. So how far, time difference, how far is that from? Like an hour and a half. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Tell me more about the deal, though. Like, how was it looking? I know you said you kind of like overestimated the value of the property initially. What was everything looking like with it? So the purchase price, well, the listing price was actually 325. So he had a listing for 325. I told my lender that I thought it was probably worth 350-ish just because it's right on like right next to UNCG. So it's right next to the college campus. It's like two miles from downtown in the historic district as well. So it's one of the most after neighborhoods in that in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. But he had a listed for 325. We actually had it under contract and ended up closing on at 275. Damn. Oh, damn. Yeah. Good shit. Didn't need any work or anything? No work. Was this the duplex as well? Triplex. Yep. Sheesh. Yeah. Okay. Turn yeah. up, man. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and, man I got <laughs> to give it to him again, man. Yeah. Is so that, you got a traffic, so you living in it? No, 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 it was fully rented when I bought it. Oh, damn. Yeah. This nigga's the young goat. That, real. that actually ended up being a headache, though. The fully rented tenants. One tenant was great, but the other two. I've heard that before. Yeah. Inheriting tenants yeah. is not always the greatest. I thought it was going to be a walk in the park. They don't have to place tenants. They don't have to do screening. Just have them there. No, it was a headache. What, type, like, so what, what kind of headaches? Yeah. They would just argue with me on everything. Like any small inconvenience, they would argue. I remember their doorknob. Something happened to one of their doorknobs and I had it fixed. And apparently my contractor didn't fix it the right way. I was like, okay, I'll have them come fix it. And I guess she thought I didn't believe her or the tenant thought I didn't believe them. So she set up a video in the unit and showed me a video of her like closing the door and broke the window in the video, like broke the window. And I was like, okay, I broke the window. You need to come fix it. Wow. 
things like that. They would just argue with me. Things, small inconveniences, they would argue and have things happen and they would blame it on me. And I'm just definitely in the future, next property I acquire, I'll definitely property manager. Have to. Can't deal with that. So I was just about to ask you, so you still managing this one actively uh, yep. yourself? Mm-hmm. So you said, did you have to get rid of the other two and place some new ones? No. No, they still there. Mm-hmm. Still giving But they still pay their rent though. Yeah, some months. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah some we, months. Got, we got to get these yeah. things, So right? do you think they give you more trouble because you're younger? Yeah. So that's funny you say that. So when I closed on the property, after a lot of the podcasts I came on and the articles came out, I was actually on Spectrum News in Greensboro, Raleigh and Charlotte and Fayetteville. So a lot of people saw it. A lot of my family saw it, but they saw it as well. And they didn't know me at that time. But when that publication came out, that the news segment came out, it was like more people had could recognize my face. And they saw, like, they could see how young I was. And it was mentioned on the article. Because that was, like, the, the, the headline. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. the headline, yeah. So I remember that came out the next day. One of the tenants texted me with, like, texting my full name, age. Like, I'm like, okay. What are you getting yeah, out of this? Like, like, it's on the property records. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was funny. So, so, look, pay me my rent on the first. I don't give a damn if I'm younger than you. Do you, do you think they low-key, like, maybe are envious because they didn't buy it? I think so. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. They're very uneconomical. They don't understand economics. So I could tell that through our conversations. So we have conversations about things that, not economic issues, but things that involve some yeah, of the things. Yeah, like you would, like things that we would understand and be like, okay, I understand that. They just didn't really get. And it was kind of caused small issues. That was just. That's crazy. And it sounds like they got the victim mindset. Yeah, that's exactly. what I'm thinking. Yeah, like the victim mindset, whereas, like you say, you know, mm-hmm. This broke, you got to pay for this, like, right, yeah. all of this shit. At the same time, yeah. like, which I do agree, like, the landlord, you know, we got to take care of our shit. Right. But at the same time, I also think that someone normal wear and tear shit, like, mm-hmm. you should understand, like, right. yo. Exactly. Let yeah. me be responsible. Right. Let me be a grown-up. Like, let yeah. me take care of this yeah. shit. Yeah, that, exactly. They were very victim, very landlord versus tenant instead of, like, mm-hmm. landlord and tenant. I went into it thinking, like, okay, I'm going to have super good relationships with all my tenants. I guess that wasn't their agenda, so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then after seeing that news article, it probably brought the hate. You know how that yeah, goes. Yeah. I, I think the hate <laughs> definitely is stemming yeah. out of the youth. Yeah, it does a lot. A lot of times when I hop on business calls, I just won't mention my age till the very mm-hmm. end, like till I know that whatever I'm trying to get done is done. Then I'll mention, oh yeah, by the way, just before we get this done, I'm 19 or I'm 18, or because that was like kind of a roadblock. A lot of people would try to father me through different things. Like I don't know what I'm talking about. Like oh well, let me teach you. Like things like that. Like, nah, bitch, I've been looking this shit up since 16. Like, I've been doing this, exactly. That's crazy, man. But even in through all this, though, like, it's great that you're able to have all these experiences, right? Like, even you got the tenants and all that. Now you're just learning lessons for the next time. Right. So Mm -hmm. you've been owning the property for how long now? Since end of January. Okay, so that's like five months. Going on six months. Right. The type of loan I have, I actually either have to sell it or refinance pretty soon. Why is that? It's a bridge loan. I couldn't get approved for it. I was going to ask yeah. you about that. So, yeah, how did you do the financing what, for the property? What's a bridge loan? So, so, a bridge loan is usually a loan you'll get on a fix and flip or like it's like, like hard money? Yes, it's hard money. Yeah, I had it's a hard money loan that I got. It's an interest only loan that I paid on. I came to the table with 20% down and it's interest only loan for 12 months just because I don't have the tax returns. I don't have any of those documents. At the time, I didn't. And I still don't because I don't have my tax documents back yet. I didn't have those, so I wouldn't be able to go to a bank and get finance, especially in Corona. It wouldn't even be inflexible. Like even with the money in the bank account, they wouldn't be like, okay, you have the money, let me, we can loan you, but they just weren't doing that at that time. Damn. So 
obviously you're pretty smart about exit strategies. You say, you know, you either got to sell it or refinance it. What is some of the ways that you're looking to like combat this? Because I'm pretty sure you want to keep your property. Mm-hmm. What's some of the ways that you're thinking about trying to solve this problem? Right. To me, well, at first I thought it was a problem, but then I started to, with real estate, same with the stocks. It's funny. Same with the options trading in the long term. I don't think that 19 is smart for me to be long-term buy and hold. I think that's more of like a strategy for older people. I think it might be smarter for me to get into like fix and flips or like, are you guys familiar with the birth strategy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like birth strategy, just because that will let me take my money and continue to make more money with the same money or continue flipping my money instead of having a whole bunch of money, like $50,000 parked into a house. You know, that's great and it's super safe, but at the same time, that money, I could be doing so much more with that money. So Because you can take more risk right now because- right you have less responsibility. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I'm all about risk. I'll take the most risk. My mom will tell me all the time, oh, don't you think that's a little risky? And I'm like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Name of the game. <laughs> exactly. Name of the game. That's part of the game. So I'd rather take that money and use it more efficiently or not more efficiently, but use it in other ways and take bigger risk with that money. So I probably will sell and take that money. And I probably will, by the end of the year, either have a couple of flips done or some burrs to where I can do flips as well as keep properties as well while refinancing my money out. Hey, that's a bit, man. You know, so like, I really want to like highlight that just being a really smart thing that you already like understand. Cause I didn't understand that until like I got into my first property, like fooling with the, I have a mobile home that I'm getting repaired. And it's like, I didn't realize that going into it, it's like, okay, cool. If you have this money, let's say you didn't spend like 10 bands, 20 bands, whatever on it. It's like, I could still be taking that money and doing more things with it, flipping it up, consistently getting higher and higher. Like, it seems like that was even a theme throughout your story. Like, okay, I started with the job, flipped it to the drop shipping, flipped it to the stocks, flipped it to this house. Now I'm about to flip that to something else. It's like, keep flipping. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I think young people, like people my age, would listen to super old, not super old, but like people in the 50, 60. Where it's like a total different. Right climate now right. from whenever you was exactly yeah. like those people they're in a different age they have different goals and objectives like at 60 i'm not going to be doing the same things i was doing at 18 i can't afford to take the same risk because you know, i have people that i take care of so right now while i have no responsibilities like other than school and eating every day i can afford to take those risks so i think that a lot of young people it would suit them better to flip their mindset into like a more revenue driven mindset to where i'm going to take this money and keep building up my revenue, revenue keep going up instead of just parking it here and letting it grow. Like you'll still see returns from the grow. You could potentially see bigger Greater returns. Return. Yeah, from driving it up. I always look at like, like abundance versus a scarcity mentality right, right. with it. Mm-hmm. You just go and take your money, park it away and just want it to stay safe. Right. You thinking scared with it. Exactly. You're not approaching it with the mentality of somebody who's going to go and do what you right. did. Exactly. And then from a certain standpoint too, like people got to start to attack it from a number standpoint. Like what you were saying, it would be cool, you know, if I got a triplex, I'm getting cash flow off three units, but that's not going to give me the same type of flip as this money that I did with this option going up to 70K. Right. Like, it's not going to give me that 15, 1600% return. I have to figure out how to duplicate that process. Right. Exactly. That, that's, I actually saw like a video or something, and the guy was talking about, like, he was young. He was saying, like, what $600 a month cash flow is going to do for me as opposed to what I can do with the money, like the principal money that mm-hmm. I have to put away to make that $600 a month cash flow. That kind of flipped my mindset. Like, dang, I could take this money I have part and I could do so much with I could go options trade with some of it. Mm-hmm. I could put some of mm-hmm. crypto. I could do this. I could get a line of and credit. Yeah, a lot it. more liquid. Exactly. A lot, mm-hmm. lot more liquid. Yeah, super liquid. Exactly. So what's next for you? Like, 
you know, you're still young. Like, what's you're still what's a freshman yeah, in college? Right. I like, just want that to be highlighted <laughs> in that's, that's that's a thing. freshman like, in school. How do you even keep yourself in school? Because, like, I ain't gonna lie, nigga, I'm hitting licks like that in my mm. first semester. It's about to <laughs> fuck you, NSU. <laughs> about yeah, where the money resides. Huh? Yeah, it's definitely hard. I'm not gonna lie. This, this past semester, I struggled a lot with time management. It's like, why would I put my focus in this when I could be doing this? It can like a opportunity cost thing for me in my head, and I kind of joke with it. I think I have a better control on it now. I mean, I like school because I'm still young. I still want to have friends. Still want to go out. I'm not ready to give that up yet, but I need to still figure out. I'm going to juggle my time between being a student and wanting to be an entrepreneur as well. Gotcha. I know it's got to be probably pretty interesting dealing with like your teachers and stuff too. Like, I don't know what your major is, but like they coming at you with terminology and stuff. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I did this like yeah, Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in my, in my economic class, definitely out here. Yeah. Like opportunity cost or we're talking about any type of economical subject. And I'm like, oh yeah, I went through this. Like this principle we're talking about, I did this. Is, <laughs> So, like, I'm pretty sure your teachers probably saw, like, the headlines and stuff, too. Do they ever be like, so, Mr. Noah, can you walk us through this? <laughs> no, none of that. I don't know if any of my teachers saw it. I sent it to one of my teachers, actually, just because I gave him that was my excuse for not turning in some work one time. Or I was busy with the property. And the email I got back, so it was kind of skeptical. I was like, oh, you don't believe me? Let me send you the list. Here's a Spectrum News article. I'm not lying to you. But I did have a lunch lady, one of the lunch ladies that I was cool with. She's a super nice lady in our cafe. Or one day I walked in, actually the day that Spectrum News thing went live, I walked into the cafe to go eat. And she's like, oh, I saw you on Spectrum. I didn't know you were doing that. That's so good. I was like, oh, that's cool. You saw it? That was cool. That's real dope, bro. Yeah, that was cool. So, Noah, I want to pivot to the last section of the podcast called What's on Your Timeline? Pretty much anything that you saw in your TL, bro, could be something funny, inspirational, maybe a new play you're about to pick up. Like, anything that you just feel like you want to expound upon. Mm. I'm like Instagram timeline, just anything, anything, anything bro. Twitter, whatever. Snap, I don't give whatever a damn. You seen it in the newspaper, bro. <laughs> I do have one thing I want to talk about. Uh, y'all already know what it is, man. The real is back. The veal is back. <laughs> J. Cole. Bananas here peeled his back, nigga. <laughs> Jermaine <laughs> Cole. <laughs> put put an M on your head. Now you're Luigi, brother. <laughs> you like that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That shit was hard. That shit was hard. Yeah, oh. that nigga cold did come through and fuck it up, man. I heard the I heard this nigga Cameron on the intro. Yeah, I said, oh, about to be a problem. I ain't never heard Killer Cam come on the intro <laughs> talking his shit for niggas. I was like, damn, nigga, chill out, Cole. <laughs> hey, boy, when I heard that, put your hood up. Yeah. I said, oh, shit. Nigga, I heard, I was like, oh, they got little time samples in this bitch. I was like, nigga, it's lit. <laughs> It definitely brought back a nostalgic feel to me as well, though. Like, I fucked with the project. Yeah. Cole did not let that. Yeah, he definitely did kill that. I just wish it had been a few more tracks. Bro, I already knew that bit was going to be less than 40 minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew it off the top of my head. Like, before I cut the album, I was like, this is going to be a short one. He's so stingy. <laughs> it don't matter. I don't think he's stingy, bro. Bro, the, the hour album the is dead, son. I just want everybody to know that. That's done. We're not getting them no more. Mm, depends on who it is, bro. And not everybody gonna give you this big fifty million song project like Chris Brown. True. See, I, don't even I ain't even that. like what Chris Brown, nigga. If you're listening to this, give me a more concise, short album, nigga. I need <laughs> yeah. some of this shit. Give me fifteen tracks, cut it in half, my nigga. Release it as a deluxe later. Ubi's thirty songs. I can't. I ain't listening. I'm not listening to a thirty song oh, album, bro. It, it takes like mm. days. 
And, Weeks. Know, well, going back to the timeline, I did just see something crazy on my timeline. Apparently, I don't know, Lil Reese. I think I heard of Lil Reese, yeah. yeah. Rapper yeah. Yeah, Chicago. He, yeah, he just got shot, apparently. What? Nah, Damn. Damn. Man, this is yeah. terrible. Exactly. Was it in Chicago? Uh, uh, Yeah, I think so. North Damn. North North. They gotta stay away from their home. Always getting shot. This nigga is always getting shot. This nigga is just a gambler with life. Exactly. Y'all don't take them type of risks. If you fucking with that shit, get out the streets. Yeah, get out. Get out the city. Get out the streets. It's a lot of more opportunities out here. Go fuck with Noah. Go learn some of his shit he got. Come to my side. Yeah. (laughs) And speaking of that, like. Let them know where can they follow you at? Where can they keep up with you with right. anything that you got going on, bro? Oh, yeah. You can follow me on all social media, actually, at Noah Lawton, just N-O-A-L-A-W-T-O-N. That's all my social media. Do you have like yeah, any, any courses, courses any products yeah, yeah. that you're pushing or uh, anything like that? I have two ebooks. I have an options training ebook for beginners and a dropshipping ebook. Those are, they cover a lot of the basic questions that I get. Like the remember after some of those articles came out, I had like 300 DM requests to answer. And a lot of those questions are answered in those ebooks. So, mm. hey. Y'all go cop that. This young brother is on to something, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, I don't know too many brother. people that took the dropshipper store, flipped it into the options, <laughs> and then flipped it. it into a property. And now my I'm brother about my... to flip it into some more shit. Right, yeah, there's some stuff on the way. Just be on the lookout. Definitely. Young That's man hard. with a bright future. Know a lot, man. That's hard, Appreciate man. Look. That's hard, man. That's all Look, I got to say. I want to say thank you again for coming on, thank Noah. You. Before we wrap this thing up, y'all, we're going to hop into a couple of house cleaning items. As always, thank you for listening mm-hmm. to the Black Wealth Renaissance podcast week in and week out. Yeah. If you want to be notified, we got our academy. It should be out launched by this time. You want to be a member of BWR Academy, our private wealth building community where we are teaching people about personal finances, getting the bag up. And a couple of the things we discussed in this episode, you can text your email then the word learn. There you go. Two three three seven. There you go. Four five five uh-huh. seven 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 eight. You can hit us up at any time. It doesn't matter. Shoot that over. We'll get you on the wait list. Get you locked in, signed up. And yeah, that's really all I got for them. All I gotta say is, you want to get on that. Honestly, I don't even think it's gonna be a wait list at this time. Oh uh, yeah, shit, it's gonna be just, live. Just purchase that thing. Hey man, you gotta say it like Jalen be saying seven eight. You can text me late. Yeah, seven 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 eight. You can text me late. <laughs> like I said, you can text me early. Just don't call me Shirley. You already know. <laughs> see, you see what I'm saying? Well, listen, y'all. We love and appreciate y'all. Y'all make sure y'all share this. Leave that five star rating with our people. It really helps. Jerry, do we have any new reviews or anything we should man, share? With I people? need some new reviews. Where my people at? I need y'all to hit up the review so I can shout y'all out, man. I ain't got no new reviews, but I need some. I need some for the next episode. Hey, yeah. y'all get that right. Y'all heard them. We yeah. need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five stars. Until next time. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. 
So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba.